If you have a Bible, turn with me to Exodus chapter 33. Exodus chapter 33, verse 12. Exodus chapter 33, verse 12. And I'm going to pray. Father, we press pause. Lord, I need you to speak this morning. God, it can't be from me. It's got to be from you. Holy Spirit, I know that you can open ears, you can change hearts. Lord, you can change us as we walk out of this place to be different. God, if we're willing, God, if we're willing to just humble ourselves and receive from the Word of God, not from a man, not from a sermon series, but Jesus, would you speak in this moment? God, just to illuminate our hearts that your Word would be like a meal, that we would eat it, and that we would crave it again and again. So God, increase our hunger for more of you this morning. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. I want to talk to you about failing without the fire. Failing without the fire. We've been in a series called Fasting in the Fire. But I want to talk to you about failing, when we fail without the fire. Uh, I know that one of the things that I struggle with as an individual, and Beth can illuminate you on all the other things I struggle with, but the thing I know I most struggle with is that uh, understanding, and I'm a driven person, so I like to get and to go and to build and to do and to get to the next best thing. And sometimes it's hard to just slow down and relax and enjoy life, all right? Just to be. And I have been trying as a parent to be very cautious of this, knowing myself, uh, to be very cautious of, of this with my children. I got two young girls, and to just take a moment, and there are just moments when I'm playing with them or here or there, and you just look at your kids and you think, wow. Man, how did they get this big? Or, wow, it's crazy they can do that. They were only this tall just not long ago. How can they reach the, their microwave now and get the cookies out of the, you know, like how, how is this possible? And you just kind of take a moment and you look back and you look at the picture and say, just enjoy the moment with them. And rather than just getting to this and getting to that and getting to dance and getting to baseball and getting to that and just getting to the next thing, it just sometimes you lose it if you're not present in the moment. How many people say Amen. And the American dream is very much like that. We can be so busy, for instance, to get that next promotion and to get to that next job and make more money because you're like, I want to provide for my family and I want our family to have nice stuff. But you know, sometimes in gaining all that for your family, how much do you lose being with your family? Being with your family. You know, sometimes it's more about being with those most important to you excuse me, than doing for them. <clears throat> you know, we know that, and yet we still fail sometimes. And I think the same is true with God. There are things I know about God in being with Him, but how many times I forget to be with the Lord. For instance, Sometimes we pray for God's provision, we pray for His protection, we want His favor on our life, we ask God, hey, answer this request, and we've got everything on the list from our health to our wealth, God, I need you to do this, God, I need you to do that, can you please do this? And we ask Him all kinds of things. We attempt to gain so much more of God's stuff, and along the way we forget to gain more of God. Or maybe we ask God to plan out our future and forgive our past, and at the same time I forget to be with Him in the present. God, I want you to plan my day. And I, I said this in the first service. How many times have you ever said, pray for that open door? God, I just want an open door. God, open the right door, close all the wrong. And we, got, we want God to organize our day and make it a good day. And God, make it a great week and make it a great year. And we want God to go before us. And even then, we want God to go behind us. God, fix that thing I did wrong at work today. Help that thing in our family. All that stuff behind me. God, I want you to fix all my past. But what about right now 
in the present. How much do we want God to go before us and God to go behind us? Or do we want God to be with us right now? Right now on this journey, in an effort sometimes to receive all these promises of God, we miss His presence. You know, in fact, you'll never receive the promises of God unless you go with the presence of God. You know, what, what is the presence of God? It's, it's things like this. When you have the presence of God, you have freedom from sin. You have rest from religious works. You have wisdom over the devil's schemes. You have confidence when you pray. You've got comfort in mourning, joy in tribulation. You've got strength when you're weary, hope for tomorrow, and peace for today. Those are all promises you have when you have the presence of God. Isn't that a good thing? Somebody say amen. It's great to have the presence of God. But the best promise, the best promise God ever gave us was his presence. And I wonder if we're hungry for it. Are we concerned more about God being for us than God being with us? Do we want him in our future? Do we want him in our past? Or do we want him right here, right now, in the present? I want to talk to you about failing without the fire. If you're in Exodus chapter 33, verse 12, somebody say amen. Okay, Exodus 33, verse 12. Let me give you the background. All right, so let's just tell the big story because you got to get the big story, all right? So let's just pretend. Let's go back in time. We are the children of Israel. We're going with Moses. We've just come out of Egypt into the wilderness. Man, we've seen the 10 plagues get us out of this place. We've seen the sea part, and we've crossed through on dry ground. We've seen manna come from heaven. We've seen quail in the evening. We've seen the water in the middle of a desert come out of a rock. Moses has now led us to this place called Mount Sinai, the Mount of God, and we've seen a consuming fire and an earthquake just come on this mountain, and God has spoken audibly the Ten Commandments. And man, he has told Moses, Moses, I want to go with this people and lead them into the promised land. I want to create a space in the middle of them so that they can be the people of God. I want you to make me a spot. I want to go with them. I'm going to take them all the way to my promised place, the land I've promised their fathers. So Moses goes up to the mountain 40 days and 40 nights. He's in the consuming fire in the cloud of God. He's fasted 40 days in the fire. And God says, Moses, hurry, go back down. They've turned away from me quickly. And Moses intercedes and says, Lord, don't kill them. So he goes down. And then, man, as soon as he goes down, he's like, well, maybe she shouldn't. He's, he throws the Ten Commandments down. He's like, I can't believe I've been up there for 40 days in the presence of God, and you can't even wait. And so he burns the golden calf and grinds it into dust, and he makes people drink it. And the party, though, keeps going. I don't know if you know this about the story. Nobody's listening. He's burned it. He's destroyed it. He's fasting and interceding for people. And he's saying, God, don't kill him. Hold on. But they keep having this wild, sensual, evil party. And nobody's paying attention. So he calls the Levites. He says, go, whoever's for me, come, who's for the Lord, come with me. And it's just the Levites come. And they go through the camp. And they try to stop, stop the party. They start having to kill people. And they're fighting. And it finally gets the party to stop. Can you imagine the sin? Now, God's consuming on the mountain. I mean, like, it's like... Dude, what is wrong with you people? Evil. They were evil in the camp. And Moses is angry. How can you not want to be in the presence of God? How do you not want to be a people of God's own possession? And so he intercedes before them. And the Lord 
And he says this in Exodus 30, he says, God, if you'll forgive their sin, but if you don't, God, I'm interceding, I'm standing in the gap, please blot me out from your book from which you have written. And Lord says, so Moses, yes, I will forgive them on your behalf. You've had favor with me. And he says, but here's the deal, I'm not gonna go with them. I'll save them, I'll forgive them. But I'm not going with them. I'm going to send an angel, and the angel's going to go ahead of you, and he'll fight the battles for you. But if I stand one minute in your midst, I'll probably kill you. You ever said that to your kids before? <laughs> no. I mean, I mean, if I have to come down there and you do this one more time, I'm scared that I might actually kill y'all. And so Moses is like, ah. Oh. And as he begins this dialogue with God. So let's look at that dialogue. Exodus chapter 33, verse 12. Here it is. So Moses says to the Lord, See, God, you say to me, bring up this people, but you yourself have not let me know whom you'll send with me. He's like, I don't know that angel. He says, now, therefore, I pray you, if, you have found, if I have found favor in your sight, let me know your ways that I might know you so that I might find favor in your sight. And consider this, too, that this nation is your people. And he said, and the Lord says, my presence shall go with you, and I will give you rest. And then he said to him, if your presence does not go with us, don't lead us up from here. How can we be known that we found favor in your sight and I, your people, if it's not by your going with us so that we and I, your people, may be distinguished from all the other people on the face of the earth? And the Lord said to Moses, I'll also do this thing which you've spoken, for you have found favor in my sight and I have known you by name. And the Lord says, and then Moses said, I pray, show me your glory. Everybody say glory. Show me your glory. And then, I, and then he said, I myself will make all my goodness pass before you and will proclaim the name of the Lord before you and I will be gracious to whom I'll be gracious and show compassion on whom I'll show compassion. But he said, the Lord said, you cannot see my face for no man can see my face, my, me and live. And the Lord said, behold, there's a place by me and you shall stand there on the rock, and it'll come about that while my glory is passing by, that I'll put you in the cleft of the rock and cover you with my hand until I have passed by. And then I'll take my hand away from you, and you'll see my back, but my face shall not be seen. Now, he's not literally talking about his face and his back because, you know, God's the spirit, right? And uh, he's talking about, I'll, I'll only let you see as much of me as you can physically, humanly handle. All right? So the next day Moses goes up to the mountain, man. He sees this just like God says. He's hiding the cleft of the rock. God passes by. He gets as much of God as he can handle. And he's up there for another, get this, another 40 days and 40 nights. It's been 80 days of no food, water, or anything fasting in the presence of God. How do you know that's supernatural, right? Supernaturally living off the presence of God for 80 days and he gets the Ten Commandments again, and as he comes down the mountain, the Bible says that he did not know, but his face shone with the glory of God, so much so that he had to put a veil over it when he went out to talk to the people. Now, I want you to think about this in your life and my life. Moses was figuring something so very monumentally important out. He knew this. We will fail without the fire. He said, we will fail without the fire. They had seen the fire, in the, he had seen the fire in the bush. He'd seen the fire hover over them at night as they were going through the first three months of the wilderness. He saw the fire go before them to drive out any enemy ahead. He saw the fire send between them and Pharaoh's army. And he knew as his kids slept at night, they were confident that the fire of God was hovering over our homes. They knew as the fire went before us that anything stood against us could be wiped off the face of the earth. And every nation would know that right there is the people of God because they've got the fire. Now think about that in the presence of God. 
You know, and he says, well, I'll give you an angel. You know, I, I think about this. I mean, how many of us would really settle for an angel? I don't know. Maybe it might be tempting to think about it. Let's put it in layman's term. Man, God sends an angel to work with you. How many coworkers are going to mess with you? A nine-foot angel with a big sword flaming behind you. He's like, dude, check this guy out, right? I mean, you're driving in your car, and somebody runs a red light, and the angel just boom, stops, the, you know, stops the red light and stops the car. Or, you know, you're, you're just, at night when you sleep, how many people would be worried or scared or fearful if on your couch watching TV while you're in your bedroom, there's an angel just sitting there flipping through the channels? I mean, think about it. Wouldn't you be okay if God said, I'm just going to send an angel with you? You'd be like, sure, I'll take that. Moses knew something, though. Listen, he knew something. He said, God, it is not about the promised land and where we were trying to get. It is not about a land flowing with milk and honey. It is not about three-bedroom houses and cars. And it's not about getting to those things and having all that stuff. It's not even about victory on the journey. But the greatest thing I want to gain, God, is you. It's you. And I'll not settle for an angel. I want all of you that I can get because, God, your greatest promise is your presence. Your greatest promise, and he said, I know that we will never, ever receive that promised land unless your presence goes with us. I'll never receive the promises of God unless I have the presence of God in my life. And the same is true for you and for me today, that the best thing heaven has to offer, Christ is provided, and that is the presence of of God. So I want to give you four things real quick of how do you walk in the presence of God and how and who does God go with? Moses demonstrated these four things of a person that God was so easy to give his presence to. I want you to look at that passage because there's the first thing is that there was sin in the camp and God was ready to wipe them off. And because of Moses's favor, he said, I will, I will save them. And Moses was bold again. He said, don't just save them, God. Would you go with them? And God so easily said, okay, yeah, sure, I'll go with them. He didn't argue with him. I'm just, I just look at this. So easy God was giving his goodness to this man. And what was it about this man? Number one thing about Moses is that he wanted God's name to be known. That's the first thing about who God goes with. He wants his name to be known. Moses said, God, how can the Egyptians not say bad things about you? If you take us to this place and you kill us, God, your name, your reputation, what will they say about you? He wasn't standing in the gap because Israel deserved it. Listen to me. No one is ever saved because you deserve it. It's because his name is worth it. You are not saved because you deserve it. And Moses was not standing in the gap on the merits of Israel. He was standing in the gap on the name of the worth of God's goodness. On his word, he said, God, you said you would get us there. And that's their promise of God. And I know your promise is good and good and will and pleasing and perfect is your will. And he says, but God, you got to be good to your name. And so God, for your name's sake, don't give up on us. He said, I want the nations to know you. Jesus was the same way. Every time Jesus, Jesus is like a Moses in this story, and a Moses is like a Jesus in this story, and Jesus is he's on the earth, he says, I'm here just for my Father's sake. I'm here to do my Father's will. I'm here for my Father's glory. And even when he begins to pray at the end of his life, he says, God, I've made your name known to them, and I will make it known so that they, the Father's love, which you have loved me, may be in them and I in them. Jesus on this earth wanted men to know the Father. Here's the question for you and me as we want God to go with us is this. Am I looking for good things from God for my own benefit 
or for the benefit of his name. For instance, God, I want you to bless my life and so that I can have an easy, good life. Or is it, God, I want you to bless my life so that through me, God, you can bless others. See the difference there? Moses is praying prayers like this, like, God, do something good in my life so that others might know you through me. God, I want your name to be known. God, it's not about getting to the promised land and having all the nice things. If you're not in the middle of us right now, God, it's not about that. It's about your glory. I just want people to know how good you are. You see, he'd spent those 40 days fasting in the fire, and he knew something. It wasn't about going from Egypt into the promise. It was about being in the presence. You hear me this morning? It wasn't about getting from Egypt to the promise. Moses felt something there on that mountain. He knew something important. He said it's about being in the presence. And everybody, listen, the more you spend time with God, the more you want other people to know him too. The more you know of God, the more you want other people to know him too. And that's the first thing. God says, I like a guy like that. He wants my name to be known. I'll go with him. Number two is this. He says he wants his holiness shown. Moses came off that mountain with righteous indignation. I mean, can you imagine? You've just been up there fasting and not eating for 40 days. And like, y'all can't, seriously? Come on now. I mean, 40 days, I've been experiencing the fullness of God. How dare you turn away? And he breaks the Ten Commandments and he goes down and just, he says he burned with anger. Why? Not on his behalf, on the Lord's. Because you know what he learned up there on that mountain? That God had such a great plan to be in the middle of this people. He said, I want you to build me a tabernacle that I can be with them. And Lord, and Moses, uh, he said to Moses, he said, I want them to be a holy nation, a people for God's possession. I want them to be a kingdom of priests to the world. And if you, Moses, will make a space for me to dwell, a tabernacle, a holy space, I'll be in the middle and I'll go with you. And Moses like, oh my gosh, you're serious? You're gonna go with us? You're gonna be in the middle of us? You won't just stay up here on the mountain and just be outside the camp where only I can talk to you? You're gonna come down in the middle of this camp and you're gonna go with us and we're gonna be known as priests to the world? And then he comes down the mountain. You see, when you experience the presence of God, the less you'll want to be without it. And Moses was jealous that God didn't get what he wanted that people didn't make a space for the Lord. And that holiness, holiness actually means to separate yourself to walk in the purpose of God. It's not about rules and what you don't watch on TV and is a rated R movie bad or do I have to wear my hair this long or do I have pants this long or can I do that or can I go roller skating? That was a big deal when I was little. Can't go roller skating because that's where sinners go, by the way. I don't know, that's not true. But I just, movie theaters and roller skating, that was a big deal in the 80s. I don't know what happened in the roller skating rinks, but... That's what it was. But it, holiness is about walking in the presence and the purpose of God. And anything that hinders me from walking in his presence, Moses says, it's worth giving up to gain him. And that's the important thing. Is it, what about your, ah, pastor, I gotta give up that, I give up. No, 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 it's about what you're gaining. You're gaining identity and purpose in his presence. Number three is this, he says, not only do I want you to make your name known, not only is it that I want your holiness shown in us, God, I want your favor to be our own. Look what he says there. He says, I pray, God, if I found favor in your sight, let me know. He says, favor 
and let me know you. And he says, and if I may know you so that I might find favor in your sight. He kind of connects favor and knowing a lot. And then he goes in the next verse, he says, for how can it be known that I have favor in your sight and I your people if it's not by your going with us? What is he saying there? Moses had some, quite revelation, some kind of revelation on that mountain. He knew this, that to have the favor of God, which is the grace and the mercy, to have the favor of God was to simply know him. And to know him was to have him go with you. You see, it's all together. I want the favor and the grace of God. I want God to like me and to be like, and I want to be liked by God. He says, well, how do you do that? Well, you have to know him. It's to get to know him more. And then when I get to know him, what does that mean? That means that he's actually with me, that he's in me, he's inside of me. Why? Because if he's in me, I know he likes me. You see, there's this insecurity sometimes in American Christianity that we have. It's like, am I saved? Am I not saved? Does God like me? Does he not like me? Let me tell you something. All that passes away when God is in you. If you know God is in you, you know he is with you. And if he is with you, then he is for you. Somebody say amen. If he's in you, he's with you. And if he's with you, he's for you. He says, God, how can we know that you're the people of God if you don't go with us? Nobody will know that we're for sure. They'll not see that fire going over us. My children won't know. Is the Lord for us or against us? I don't know. Maybe the angel's working. Maybe he's not. Maybe we pay him an extra. Somebody tip him. I mean, I don't know. How do we know? that? But if the fire is burning over the camp, and if the fire is coming down in that tornado in the middle of our assembly, then we know, man, God is in the midst of us. And every day that you walk this Christian life, if you want to know God is for you, you better have the fire burning inside of you. You better have, as you sleep at night, the Holy Spirit just hovering over your bed. As you get up in the morning, you feel, yes, God is for me and not against me today because he is with me. How do you know this? You see, Moses knew this, that their identity in God would be their victory. It wasn't an angel going before them. It was God going within them. Your identity in the Christian life is the same way. Your identity is not in whether God gets you out of addiction or God breaks down these walls or God fights all your battles. It's not about what God does or doesn't do. It's about if God is in you. You see, Moses knew before we ever begin to fight our battles, before we ever begin to go to that promised land, we better have God in us. Because victory began right there in that moment. We are either going to fail, make it or break it right here, right now. God better be in us. God better be in us. Our identity is our victory. That identity is the same in the Christian life when Jesus Christ gave up himself so that you can know him and his presence can go with you. You see, God gave you his very best, his son, in his spirit. And so if Jesus is in you, then he must be going with you and he must like you. You remember what John said in 1 John 4, 13? If God, God has given us his spirit as proof that we live in him and he in us. Paul said it in Romans, he says, our spirit of adoption cries out within us, Abba, Father. And we know that we're God's children because he's in us. 
Man, do you have that security today? Eternal security is that God's presence is in you. If you don't have God's presence, you won't be secure in your identity. And if you don't have an identity in God, you won't ever have a victory in the Lord. There's a generation of teenagers right now not knowing who they are. When they find God and they know who they are in Him, victory. Lastly is this. I want His name known. I want His holiness shown. I want His favor our own. And lastly, Moses prayed one of the boldest prayers in Scripture. I want your glory alone. I want your glory alone. I want you to see this. They're about to get killed by God. God, please save them. I like you, Moses. Okay, I'll save them. Thanks, God. God, don't just save us. Go with us. Okay, Moses, yeah, I'll, I'll go with you, but just, just, just an angel. No, 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 God, please, you, 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 you have to go with us. Uh, okay, Moses, I'll go with you. You notice God's not making him beg for like three weeks and fasting and crossing an ocean on his knee, you know, crawling on a desert on his knees and crossing an ocean swimming. I mean, he's like, yeah, okay, I'll do it. I mean, God is revealing his goodness to Moses that if you simply ask and you know that I'm good, that I want, my desire is to be in the middle of you, Moses, and I'm just looking for a person of faith who is willing to ask for more and ask according to my will. My will is that I am going to be in the middle of your life and my holiness is going to be in the middle of your life and that you're going to separate out and be the people of God because that's my desire. So when Moses begins to ask, God, don't just save us, go with us. God, don't just go with us with an angel. Go with us with your spirit. And he says, yes. And then Moses gets so bold. And he says, and now, Lord, I pray, show me your glory. You know, Moses could have been satisfied with a burning bush. He could have been satisfied with seeing ten plagues and snakes eat other snakes and blood and frogs. I mean, he could have been satisfied with water parting and walking on dry land for crying out loud. He could have been satisfied to seeing God make manna out of some dew and, and quail, just nobody even shot off the gun and this falls and there they are. They're basically cooking themselves. And then he could have been satisfied with 40 days surviving alone in the presence of God on the mountain. But here's one thing about God. The more you get a God, the more you want of God. Moses wasn't satisfied with what he had because the more he tasted of God, the more he wanted to get of God because God is that good. And Moses, like my kids at McDonald's, I want a Happy Meal, a cheeseburger, some chicken nuggets, some yogurt, some apple slices, chocolate milk, white milk, ice cream cone, and then can we go to Dairy Queen for a blood? I mean, it's like sometimes when you ask a kid, their eyes are bigger than their ability, right? Their appetite for it is bigger than what they can handle. And I think sometimes as a parent, you just kind of want to give in and just see how far they can go until they puke, right? I mean, just, just once in a while, give it to them. See what happens, right? Well, they explode. Well, what's coming out their nose? I mean, just give them everything they ask for and see. Because there's just some of you just want to say, yeah, I'm a nice today. I'll give you extra, Right? Man, you've been good. Let's, let's just get the ice cream. Yeah, we don't normally get the ice cream. And God is so good. Listen to me. He is so good to those who want more. He's always willing to give it. He's always willing to give more of himself to those who ask in faith because they know God is good. God is good. And he loves to give himself. 
Remember what Jesus said? If your father up in heaven knows how to give good gifts, if you know how to be your evil, sinful people and your fallen nature and you give good gifts to your kids, how much more does the father up in heaven want to give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? And then there's a moment, let me bring all this home because God is so good, y'all listen. God is so good. If you don't get anything today, get this. God wanted to come off the mountain so bad. He wanted to be in the middle of this people so bad. He wanted to go in the middle of a messed up, screwed up people who deserved hell so bad that he had a Moses lay down his life and intercede for them. And every time the Moses asked, he gave. There was one greater than Moses that came. And that Moses, Jesus Christ, came down the mountain of heaven and came down to earth and it broke the Lord. It broke the presence, the tabernacle, the the Ten Commandments was broken. Jesus Christ was beaten, bruised, broken, crucified for us at the base of that mountain because of our sin and our idolatry. And yet he laid his life down like Moses when Moses said, Lord, don't, if you're going to kill them, kill me too. If you're not going to save them, don't save me too. And the Bible says that he became the curse for us and he took our iniquities upon himself and he bore our sin our shame he stood in the gap as our mediator and said Lord save him and God was so gracious because of the favor that Jesus had he saved us and Jesus said don't just save him God fill him with the Holy Spirit God, don't just save them out of hell. Go with them, Lord. I'm going to stand in the gap. And Jesus says that you've been this, you've been created for this purpose. And Paul comes along and says, don't you know that you are temples now of the Holy Spirit, that he can dwell with you? And there's this moment with Jesus and his disciples right before Jesus goes to heaven. And Jesus talking with the disciples, and he's, he's about to be crucified, actually. And they, they say, Jesus, we've seen you for three years. Please show us more like Moses. Well, let's see more. Jesus, show us more. Show us the Father. And Jesus says, guys, don't you get something? If you've seen the Father, you've seen me. You see that moment where Moses was veiled on the mountain behind the rock? The Bible says that Jesus was that rock, that Jesus is the fullness of God's glory, everything that we can take in and touch and see and smell and taste, it's all in Him, that Jesus is as much of God as you're able to handle. If you could just take Him all in and take it in His abundance, that He is the visible image of God, full of grace and glory, that just like Moses saw the glory of God and His face glowed, Jesus is that representation of the glory glory of God for you and for me today and when the disciples ask for more he says don't you know I am the more but he says I'm going to do something when I go up to heaven I'm going to send back that promise of my father and John 14 here's what he says I'll ask the father he'll give you another helper that he may be with you forever that's the spirit of truth, that Holy Spirit whom the world can't receive because it doesn't see him or know him, but you know him because he abides with you and he will be in you. Jesus is the Moses who interceded. He's the full glory of God on the mountain. He has sent that promise of the Father, the presence to go with you. It's not about stuff and getting out of hell free cards. It's not about victory and all these other things. Those are all great things, but you will fail if that Holy Spirit presence doesn't go with you to the promised land. You'll never make it to heaven unless the presence of God goes with you on the journey. And there's a last story, and I'll close with this. In Acts chapter 4, these disciples experience that fullness of God. They're not just saved and get out of hell. Jesus fills them with the Holy Spirit. And then they're not just filled with the Holy Spirit like Moses. They ask for more of the glory of God. They get baptized in the Holy Spirit. In Acts chapter 2, with power to be witnesses. And in Acts chapter 4, it says this, that as they stood before the Sanhedrin, the Sadducees and Pharisees, the religious leaders of the day, they looked at these little fishermen, 
humble nobodies. They said they, they are trained and uneducated men, but they knew something. They said, but these men have been with Jesus. Just like Moses' face shone on that mountain, these early disciples, because they had spent time in the presence of the Lord and asked for more and more, they looked like him. What if Moses hadn't asked for more? His face never would have shown. Listen to me. You can have more of God and more of God and more of God. And God is so good, he's willing to give of himself. But like Moses, we can, be set, we can choose to say, well, I'm good with the Exodus story. I'm good with the, the opening of the sea. I'm good with the burning bush. I'm, maybe I'm even good with the 40 days of fire on the mountain. Or you could be like Moses say, God, would you just show me your glory? You see, you don't just get saved. You get filled with the Holy Spirit. You don't just have to be filled with the Holy Spirit. You can be baptized in the Holy Spirit. You don't just get baptized in the Holy Spirit. You can get filled and refilled. The Bible is full in the book of Acts. That every, every other time they begin a meeting in a prayer meeting, it says the house was shaken. They were all filled. And they go to another place and it says, as they begin to sing in the jail, they were filled. As they begin to go out to minister, they were filled because God is so good. Every time you seek him, he just gives you more and more and more. The question is, how big is your appetite? For more of God. Would you bow your heads with me this morning? Worship team, would you come? Every head bowed, every eye closed. We know, Lord, that we fail without the fire. And the greatest promise is the presence of God going with us. That you want to be in the middle of our life, oh God, if we would make a holy space for you. God, if we would be a people who says, God, I want your name to be known. I want your holiness to be shown, oh God. Lord, I want it to your favor to be my own. And Lord, I want your glory alone more than anything else in this world. God, I want your glory. God, I want to gain more and more of you. God, put a hunger in my heart for more of you. Open my appetite, oh God. Increase my vision, Lord, to gain more and more of you. Let me not just settle with being saved or touched by God once or healed by God once or seeing God work a breakthrough in my life. But God, if I don't leave, I can't leave this place. I can't go into that promised place. Lord, it's not about receiving the promised blessings of God if I don't have the presence of God activated and walking my life. Lord, that the fire of God would hover over my family. Hover over us as we sleep at night. Go before us, oh God. Lord, that we would know that, yes, God is for us, that he loves us. He's provided that you are so good, you are willing to give all of yourself, oh God. You're not holding anything back. God, you're waiting for us to ask in faith that you are that good. Can you believe this morning, every head bowed, every eye closed, can you believe this morning that God is that good? You don't have to beg. You don't have to plead. He wants it. He wants to give you more of himself. He was willing to give his son to die on a cross for you. How much more you think God can demonstrate his love for you, that he loves you with an everlasting love. And yeah, you're made of mistakes. You're a mess. It's okay. God wants to be in the middle of you. He wants you to say, yes, God, I'm willing to give it all up to gain you. He loves you. Listen to me, church. He wants more and more of you. Do you want more and more of God? How much of God are you willing to live without? How much of God are you willing to live without?
because you might can make it, but don't you want to make it in abundance? Don't you want to get to the end and say, God, I had all of you I could take, all of you I could handle, more of you, Lord.